So I'm speaking with a two-time Grammy and Emmy-nominated composer Jeff Rousseau. Uh, Jeff has quickly established himself as one of the most in-demand and versatile composers in television and film. Uh, Jeff was behind the stylistically bold revision of Fargo, the TV series. He has several exciting projects coming up, including Power on Stars from producer Curtis 50 Cent Jackson in the second season, uh, the miniseries Tut starring Ben Kingsley, and he's co-composing the music for the newest CSI show, CSI Cyber, uh, the upcoming series from uh, Lost creator Carlton Cuse called The Returned, and a new series from Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan called Battle Creek. Uh, beyond film, Jeff continues to play with his rock band Tonic and even has composed music for the New York Ballet Company. Jeff, it's uh, so great to chat again. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me uh, here. So, man, you have uh, really stayed busy since the last time we chatted. So, um, before we dive into the projects, I think people, you know, look at your you know upcoming slate. And, you know, you have like seven TV series that will be airing in 2015. And I guess my uh, question would be is how important is kind of time management and scheduling when it comes to kind of signing on to projects? And, you know, do the stars have to align uh, so that this, you know, post-production doesn't overlap? Or do you have to juggle stuff at the same time? Like, how do you kind of work all that through? Well, you know, the stars aligning, I think, are a big, <laughs> a big part, part mm -hmm. of that. Um, it does get pretty crazy. You know, there's only so much you can do, with, you know, in one day. Right. So um, as shows start to all post at the same time, I have to really manage my schedule really, really meticulously in order to make all of the, all of the uh, commitments work. You know, I mean, at some point it stops working, so you can't really do anymore because there aren't enough days or there's just too much overlap. Right. Um, in this case, like over the last 10 months, everything has really worked out actually pretty well in terms of, um, in terms of uh, the scheduling and not, um, not overlapping. Um, everything sort of dovetailed right into one another, and I was never sort of working on or writing more than two or three projects at the same time. And, you know, all these shows, they require completely different musical approaches, so kind of looking more on the, I guess, psychological aspect of it, as a composer, did you need to learn how to, like, mentally switch your brain into all these different kind of soundscapes that you were building? I mean, does it, do you have kind of like a, a hangover from the last show that you were working on, and is it hard to kind of, like, get that out of your head to get into a new kind of a state of mind? I think that's the thing that I really like about it. You know, I never get, I never get caught in a rut. Mm -hmm. um, because if, if I ever start to um, feel blocked on one thing, I can immediately switch gears to something else to try to shake that loose. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll be writing something and I'll, I'll, I'll feel like, oh, you know, this just, I can't get past this one thing. Well, you know what? Let me shut this down. Let me work on this other thing and see if I can, you know, clear the cobwebs. And uh, that usually works really well. So the, the whole having to switch gears really quickly, I think, is um, really creatively uh, um, motivating. You know, it, it really does kick me into gear and, and helps me sort of get from one moment to the next. And it's, I mean, you do get to work on it, and it's great. You're never stuck in the same genre. You're kind of always switching uh, styles and everything. So I think it would have been, yeah, it must be really creatively fulfilling. Yeah, it, it really is creatively fulfilling. It's like, you know, going from, going from writing something for Fargo to writing something for um, The Returned, for instance, which are completely different, you know, musical statements, um, is, is, really, is really creatively invigorating. 
So let's just kind of jumping into some of your projects. Like you're working on uh, Tut, and that's a, a mini series revolving around the you know drama of King Tut's rise to glory. So I think you know when you look at something like that with historical significance and it comes from a certain place and time and history, I think people would immediately jump into oh Egypt, Egyptian instrumentation, ethnic instrumentation. Is that uh, is that the was that the first thing that popped into your mind, or did you look at it from a different aspect? Well, you know, the thing is, yes, there is there is a um, an ethnic element to the score, um, and you immediately think of epic score mm-hmm. um, because of the grand nature of just what it looks like and the way they've shot this. Um, but I felt like there was a need to bring some modern element to it, um, you know, just to make it interesting. Like we, we, we certainly didn't want to just do the same thing over and over again, which has been done with, um, you know, these sort of uh, historical, fictional accounts. You know, right, this right. this is more of a historical account, but there is fictionalized parts of it. I'm, I'm, I imagine. I mean, I'm not a scholar. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not an ancient Egyptian scholar. But, uh, but um, we wanted to, we wanted to make it. You know. We wanted to make it uh, uh, have motion and have um, drive, you know, and and give it some pace. And I think that's the the sort of more um, modern take on that sort of epic feel. And yeah, you know, there there are definitely some um, ethnic instrumentation, but not a lot. Right. You know, I, I didn't go for like the classic Egyptian feeling instruments. I mean, there's a little bit of um, the Duke in it and flute um, playing some of the lead lines, but a, a lot of it is just be, you know more big orchestral and percussion driven. And was it a uh, was it challenging to kind of get an emotional connection to the characters? You know, these characters are almost mythological in, in their you know in pop culture and everything. Was it uh, hard to flesh them out? Well, you know, interestingly enough, when I was a kid, um, uh, the the um, the Tut exhibit, the King Tut exhibit, was traveling around the world, and I was obsessed with um, with that whole thing that was going on. Oh, yeah. So I spent I spent every weekend um, while it was there at the museum of uh, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, and um, I I just remember like just studying it and looking at the tomb thing that then all they they brought all the all the trinkets and you know his his headdress and that big sarcophagus and coffins and it was just really incredible for me as a kid so as i was watching you know um the first cuts of this i was bringing all of that back so i had a connection to some of those characters already wow um i didn't have to build i didn't have to build an emotional connection because i was so connected to to that story when i was a kid Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in a completely different room, you're also working on a show, uh, CSI Cyber, um, and that's, you know, it's part of a huge uh, franchise of CSI shows. And, you know, the word cyber, again, kind of gives off this idea of modern tech uh, hacking. Uh, so do, so what was the, the the series? What did it mean musically for, that was different than, I guess, all the other CSI series? Well, you know, interestingly enough, you know, this, this one, I think, is a little... Um, is a little more uh, character driven and mm-hmm. emotionally based, um, you know. Whereas CSI, the the flagship, I think was a little more procedural and more about the case. Right, right. You know, um, this in this um, series, we are definitely procedural, 
and definitely case-driven, um, but there's an emotional connection to our lead character, Avery, uh, played by the, you know, the Oscar-winning <laughs> uh, Patricia Arquette, yeah. um, but, uh, and she's fantastic in it. So the music, although, has a, although it does have a procedural element, does have an emotional base. And I think that was the, that's the real difference in the score for this one than, than uh, any of the other ones. It, it has a bit of a more um, emotional connection to the characters. And I think that was, we did that on purpose um, because it made the storytelling more interesting. So do you, I mean, you have to wrap up every story, if it's procedural, wrap it up at the end of every episode, but do you also create to have that emotion create kind of uh, arcing themes throughout? Well, that's, and, and because it's more character-driven, there is a story arc that sort of goes across the entire season for the characters. So yes, she has a theme, Avery has a theme. There are themes for, um, for characters in this as opposed to just sort of situational themes, right, right. Um, which, which would be less, you know, connected. Right. Um, so in doing that, yes, there are themes that appear in all the episodes. And uh, and an, another show you're working on, uh, we're going kind of going down the list here is uh, Power, uh, which is uh, this you know have this rise to store uh, rise to power story uh, of corruption greed you know the guy who owns a nightclub and and gets into into drugs and everything and and that's also kind of part of filmmaking culture too. You look at Scorsese's films, who's kind of made a career in that with Goodfellas, Casino, Wolf of Wall Street. So how do you look at a series that kind of shares these similar themes? Uh, and ideas that you know and to make it something unique do you look kind of past the story structure and focus more on the characters and the kind of situation that they're in at hand um well yeah you know i i usually really like to write from that perspective anyway you mm -hmm. know based on characters and being emotionally connected to the characters um in power it's certainly a much more delicate hand in terms of what the score does it's very very subtle um, and it's more about creating the vibe of of what's going on in the in the story than it is about really playing character themes. Now they do play, and there are character themes, and our main character has his theme and his relationships with the different um, with the different women in his life and the and the other men and in his crew. Um, so. I do play a lot of character themes, but it is so subtle that it, it's sort of more of a, an overall soundscape for the whole show and the mm -hmm. world that he's created. And that was really at the direction of our, of our showrunner, who really wanted to be um, let the narrative tell the story, as opposed to getting a lot of help from score, which is you know a dream come true for a composer, because I really get to only play when it is absolutely necessary, as opposed to trying to help the story along. Right. So, and, and, and there are shows like that which kind of use less score, and they kind of it just comes in the moments that really needs to. So, like for Power, how many, how much, or how many minutes per episode are there of, of score? A score, usually no more than like 16 minutes. Yeah, yeah, so that's... 16, 17 minutes, and, and it's an, hour, an actual hour-long show because it's on stars, so right, it's like right. 55 minutes or 60-minute show. And so, you know, but there are a lot of songs. We use a lot of songs right, because right. of the hip-hop nature of the, of the show. Right. So you have to work with the, within that soundscape kind of building, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it makes the, it makes the score feel 
more important. Like when score comes in, it's like, oh, this is a very important thing happening right now. You know, I treated Fargo the same way, which is we really only put score in the places where we have earned score. And we do the same thing in power. And it's just a more elegant way to spot as opposed, as opposed to using music as a tool. Absolutely. Or a crutch, maybe, in some certain... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I say tool, you know, <laughs> yes. Crutch is probably a better descriptor. Uh, and then another show you're working on, uh, uh, The Return, which you, you're working with one of my favorite writers and showrunners, uh, Mr. Carlton Cuse. And um, for me, I really think he is he appreciates the power of music more than most showrunners on TV. And on a series... Do you, it, as a composer, is is your is the most of the com communication you do? Is it with the showrunner? I mean, would Carlton be your direct line of communication and collaboration? You know, it's interesting. On the returned, you know, he took a very back seat in terms of what the score was going to be. Oh, okay. um, we knew what he wanted, but he, he was working on a, you know, a few shows at the same time. Right. So it was like we would get notes from him after we would you know, submit a score. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like he was never at a spotting session, um, we were always spotting with the editor who he tasked with, um, you know, having, having a, a, his ideas in their mind because he would tell them what he wanted in building the temp score, which he would build using our score. You know, and, and writing, writing The Return was such a great experience for me because I got to work with um, a cellist. Her name is Zoe Keating, who's, you know, has, is and has been one of my favorite musicians of all time. Um, she's just so fantastic. And um, the way we were able to build the score together was uh, was really, really fun. Really fun. And, it, I mean, it is a very kind of, uh, just very moody and atmospheric and, uh, you know, very tense uh, show. I mean, what was the, the musical goal for, for the show? Well, you know, again, it was creating a vibe um, definitely creating this eerie, eerie vibe, mm -hmm. and then also treating the characters very respectfully with music. Because every show focuses on a different character who's returned. Right. So we, we had to create these themes for each one of the characters, so as they appear and then disappear and then reappear, it would be very apparent with what the music was doing. Absolutely. And then uh, another show you're working on, which is completely different in tone and everything, is Battle Creek, which looks like a a really fun series as well, and you know, Vince Gilligan, creator of Breaking Bad, uh, was one of the showrunners. So, is a musical goal for a show that has more of a comedic tone, uh, but isn't a sitcom? Is that kind of harder to achieve? Well, you know, one of the things I like to talk about when I talk about with um, what what the palette of the music is going to be for any show mm -hmm. is how to treat comedy. Right. Um, you know, my idea is always to say, you know what, let's not play comedy. Let's never play comedy. Because the, the way to make comedy funny is to let comedy be funny, you know? Um, the moment you start to play two separate emotions in, in one scene, you become both of those things. So if there's drama and comedy in one, in one scene and you play both sides of that with score, all of a sudden you're dramedy. Right. And... You know, some some producers want that, some producers don't. I'm I'm more partial to wanting the comedy to play by itself, um, and and not play music over comedy if I'm playing the drama just before it, or vice versa. Um, you know, just play the comedy, let the drama be dramatic, and then when the real moment comes that becomes funny, like punctuate that with something. Right. Um, and 
you know, some people agree with that and some people don't. I think in um, what we did with, uh, with Battle Creek was really walk that line. You know, there, there were some very, very dramatic moments and there were some very, very light moments. Um, and we usually stayed away from the light moments from a, from a musical perspective right. to really let those moments drive home. And I thought it was really fun. It was a really fun score to do. You know, I got to, you know, pull out my guitar and play some guitar riffs um, because this is the, the, that was the type of score that they had, um, they had wanted. So it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun for me. And, I mean, I agree with that completely because I think if you look at all the great comedies, you know, they, the, the comedy plays from the dialogue and, and the action from the characters. And I think if you, you get that music on there too, too close, it almost becomes cartoony or you know, like Looney Tunes or something cartoonish, you know, Mickey Mouse and going on. So <laughs> I do agree exactly. with pulling it back. Um, but before we wrap up, I also have to ask, you know, about season two of Fargo. You, you know, you guys proved everyone and all, the, if there were any doubters, uh, that a series like this would work. And it worked so brilliantly. I loved it so much. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about the progress of season two or anything that you can share? Well, we are currently working. <laughs> I've been writing and recording music for um, for Fargo for the last two months. Oh wow! Um, we I'm I've just seen episode five, um, and it's all a work in progress. You know, right. we're supposed to air sometime this fall, and it has a definitively different feel, and yet it has a definitively same feel. It feels very familiar. So it's a, it's a very interesting way to, um, to approach the show. There is a through line in terms of a, a musical through line from the first season uh, in terms of vibe and feel, but then there is also a very, very different turn that we've taken. Um, and as the, as, the, as the show unfolds across the 10 episodes, it, it becomes very apparent. Um, I can't really give up too much, um, <laughs> but you know, because we've jumped backwards in time to 1979, you know, there is a definitive shift in the way the score sounds and what the score does. But the overall vibe and the overall ethic of how we treated score in season one applies to season two. Well, I can't wait. That's gonna be it's gonna be great. <laughs> it it's been it's yes, it's it's I must say, as I read scripts and I and I um I get through watching episodes, I I am thrilled <laughs> beyond <laughs> beyond all um imagine. No, you definitely are on a it's a very special special thing there and and, and uh I mean I me and my fiance watch it, my you know, parents they're all we are all huge fans of it, so <laughs> We're, we're waiting with anticipation. Um, but one last question uh, before we wrap sure. up. You know, you, you write and perform in your band Tonic and even, you know, write for uh, the New York City Ballet. I mean, do these musical ventures outside of film and television, do, the, do these allow you to express things that you can't do via composing? Does it kind of scratch a completely different itch creatively? Well, certainly. Um, certainly it does. And And, you know, with my band... I mean, my band is like my baby. You know, that was the very first thing I ever did and had any success with. And, and you know, w whenever we play shows, it's like coming home for me. Right. You know, um, whenever we write songs together, it's like, you know, putting on that old pair of shoes, you know. And, and I mean that in that great, great way, you right, know. Right. Um, so it does. It, it satisfies a part of my creative brain that nothing else can possibly satisfy. You know, playing, even if, even if I'm performing 
one of my scores live, it's not the same thing as being on stage with those three other guys Absolutely. and playing our songs that we've written over the course of 20 years. You know, um, it, it really does fulfill that part of me that no other part can, no other thing I do can fulfill. And you did, you did, you did write a, a, a ballet piece. I mean, how is that process? You're writing for uh, almost motion, you know, I, and I took a kind of a visualizing motion in, in co- class uh, col- in class in college kind of movement for the camera thing so i feel like the music and movement really go hand in hand that must have been a pretty interesting uh well you know it, yes and and the um in that case the choreographer and i worked together in terms of you know i treated it a lot like writing for visual media which mm-hmm. is there was a lot of the choreography that was all framed out and i videotaped it and then watched it um and then wrote music to it, and then also expanded on that, and then sent it back to the choreographer, and she changed some of the things. It was a very collaborative effort, so it was really incredible um, to do that, and I'd love to do that again. Wow, that's I mean, I, I like that whole process. I think it's such an interesting, and it's you know, no dialogue. It's just movement and image and, and the body. Well, in that case, it. and in in that case, the dialogue is the movement. You know, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, Jeff, thanks again uh, for your time talking with you. It's always such a blast, and I love the Sonic Worlds you curate with every new project. So I, I can't wait to dive into everything that's going to be coming up in 2015, and and uh, look forward to hopefully catching up uh, again a little bit later in the future. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking again and seeing you at some point.